podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. It's Russ and my Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, obviously, please consider subscribing, hitting the bell notification icon so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Obviously, we have videos going up daily, but sometimes we post two, three times a day. So you don't want to miss any of them. So make sure you hit the bell icon so you're made aware as soon as we put new content on. We have got an incredible array of guests coming up this week, including today's guest. He played you know, 304 games for the Amers across a nine-year period. Um, it's Ian Bloody Bishop. Hi, Ian. How you doing, man? Good, Russell. Yeah? Yeah, not bad. Thank you. How is lockdown treating you over there? It's a bit looser over here, mate. I think I must have been playing golf at least four times a week. For the last for the last three weeks, maybe a month, something like that. Uh, the bars are back open, yeah. maybe 50, 60 percent, you know, capacity, but um, still somewhere to go after we finished on the golf course, mate. So <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't been too bad. And, and the funny thing is, I mean, I mean, I've watched, I watched a few of your podcasts, and I, I think uh, uh, was it Sam talking? You're getting used to being inside. Yeah. That going out felt like I didn't want to go out, you know. You've been in for, for that long that you didn't want to go out. And then you realise how freaking stupid people are, you know? And and I thought it wasn't so bad sitting in the house. No, know? I know what you mean. And it's nice to, in a weird way, it's nice that to not have it the pressure of doing stuff over the weekend. Do you know what I mean? It's like you work, you know, work in the office nine to five. Come the weekend when obviously West Ham, were, it wasn't a West Ham weekend. It's like yeah. we have to go out and do stuff and, we can't do anything. So it's quite sort of like, huh. no, no, no pressure. No, no. pressure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. Yeah. It's things are getting better. And obviously, you know, a couple of weeks time, we'll have some football to moan about. So we shall see. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually did that. Um, I did a, a video, um, you know, you know, for a little Isla. Yeah. The, the little girl, little West Ham fan. And, and one of the uh, West Ham fans from long, long time ago, a lady called Nicoletta used to be there when we were playing. And we sort of like, stay in touch with her a little bit, you know. Um, she's asked me to do this down a, down a beer for Isla and then nominate four people. And I ended up doing a video. I actually put my own little spin on it, you know. But um, after I'd done it, I went to bed. I come home and, I, and I, I actually got my son to tweet it out because the video was too long. I don't have Twitter on my computer, so it was too long for my phone. I asked my son to do it. From the other website, and I would from the other um, the podcast site, the Twitter mm. account, and I would retweet it. And then I've I've done that, and then I woke myself up about three o'clock in the morning. I was I was paranoid. I was like, I haven't said what it was about. Oh, yeah, you just did the it bit, didn't like you? Just taking the piss out of the UK, <laughs> being a bar by the water. I felt being, a little bit like that. Yeah, I know. So, so I ended up three o'clock in the morning. I had to retweet it again. <laughs> And I'd, oh, I suppose you want to know what I was talking about. So, yeah, I got blind panic for a minute. That's all right, because then that's three o'clock in the morning for you. It's about eight o'clock here, so in the morning. Yeah, so, I think I'm exhausted in time, yeah. Yeah, oh, how funny. I know, yeah. I know. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, it's great all that Isla stuff and there's, I know Baz Cox is doing some great stuff with FIFA tournaments yeah. and stuff. And, you know, we're all just trying to, trying to help out where we can, particularly now when there's, there's no football. I mean, obviously, the, you know, a few weeks we go, you know, I've got the, uh, I've got the, the Premier League directives in terms of uh, what music I have to play and stuff like that back at the ground. Oh, yeah. So, okay. yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Um, they're trying to, 
I can't wait. I'm I'm a bit tentative, I'll be honest, because it's like I'm quite it's a bit weird. I'm quite used to not having football at the moment in a weird way. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing to moan about. But just that relegation fight being frozen in front of you. I don't mm. like it. No. It's like I want to be safe, you know, I just I don't want to keep looking at it. I want it to happen whatever way and hopefully it will happen in a good way. But West Ham and also for Bournemouth, by the way, I must say yeah. I don't yeah. want them to go down. It might be a tough call to be honest, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, no, I, but I think actually the neutral thing and and Kevin King, um, when I was talking to Kev the other day, he he said it was a good point. By being like you know empty crowds and things like that, the lower down teams are going to fancy that sort of mid-table team and think they might get something. Uh, I don't know. We've got to play Tottenham because, you know, there's no animosity. There's no crowd noise. And actually, sometimes when the yeah. crowd's on your back, when you're not performing well, it can have um, you know, a detrimental yeah. effect to the players. So Definitely. definitely. And I think some of them will benefit from there being no crowd and that pressure, especially yeah. in a rele- relegation fight. Some yeah. of them will, you know. I mean, have you noticed, have you seen any of the German football? There's less dive in a play acting. Mm. Maybe that's the pressure the crowd brings as well. Because, you know, the fear of losing possession and having to fake a dive or fall down just to keep possession. You know, maybe with the crowd not there, that's, that's changed it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I've got a sneaky feeling. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the season. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you, I believe with the adage, you know, you don't know what you've got to it's gone. And not having football, not having yeah. any football is, is worse than having football, even if it is a relegation scrap. It's still yeah. football. And um, I think people will be a bit more relieved. And then eventually, when everyone does get back to the London Stadium, all 60,000, that's going to be a lovely, a lovely moment. Because uh, I, mean, I mean, I think we, we should take the opportunity as well to capitalise sort of on the situation. You know, mm. it may have been a time for the, for the owners to, to come together again with the fans and realise, you know, how much it all means now that we've been without it. Mm. You know, and, and maybe like a fresh start. And... And let's take it from here, you know, because unfortunately, just before the break, it sort of performed really well in the three games before, yeah. you know. I think it was after the Man City game. They performed even though they lost at Arsenal, you know. So, so hopefully that was the beginning of a turnaround. Yeah. And we'll see. And, and, exact, and, and we've got a fully, fu- fit, a fully fit squad, which is very unusual for us. Yeah, so God forbid everything happens and we'll see what happens. And as you said, it, it will all come out in the wash, won't it, whatever happens, so. Definitely, yeah. Anyway, that's how basically this channel came about. So, you know, I was a bit bored. Um, and so uh, I thought, well, there must be loads of other people who are bored but wanted to talk about the good days, so to speak, and, and, and looking back because they had nothing to moan about in the present day. Uh, and that's what we're doing. And obviously, you know, we're talking to more and more, more players because obviously you know, the fans are more, necessarily more interested about what you guys did than necessarily what Bob in the West End did. But it doesn't matter if they're famous or not famous, celebrity or not celebrity, player or not player, they're all West Ham connected. And that's what's quite nice about this. So as if you, Bish, you know, I must admit, you, you were one of my favourite players. Um, but <laughs> and we'll talk about why I think you're one of my favourite players in a bit. But um, obviously you joined, you joined you know, West Ham in December 89. Um, yeah, obviously, Macari brought you in and he brought in Trev and Colin Foster that same week. And obviously, you went on to play you know, over 300 games for the club. The question I always ask all West Ham ex-players is, why West Ham? Why did you stay so long, Bish? Um, it, it was notoriously a family club. It was, it was great in the dressing room. It was great out on the pitch. Although, you know, the first couple of years, up and down, up and down, you know, 
we succumbed the the, uh, the misery of relegation with a following promotion. Mm. So it didn't last too long, you know. And I, I can understand the fans being disgruntled, but for me, it was it was the the style of football as much as anything. Once I realised how Kendall was going to sell me, mm. and McCarty was interested, I, I just it took me back to the European nights at, at Upton Park with the the goals with the small stanchions and you know the muddy pitch even and and the tight ground and and the kit even little little things as well you know it was um I just see myself fitting in there yeah. and someone asked the other day didn't I feel pressure of following Paul Ince I didn't even think like that I didn't even think about Ince when I came here mm. you know it was um it wasn't like that I was just a different type of player I suppose and I thought I've got to come and impose myself in the in in the claret and blue and. I wanted to put the shirt on. I really didn't want to take it off. It was, it was uh, disappointments when I didn't start. Maybe arguments with the management. Um, you know, I had a little fallout during one season. 304 games. I think I could have made it to maybe 400. Yeah. You know, if if I'd have stayed also, and and if I'd have kept me placed a little bit in that one season where Harry and Billy Harry had said I was 32 pounds overweight, which. He swears to this day he's got in a little black book, <laughs> you know. And, and I don't know how any human being could be 32 pounds overweight, you know. Yeah. Well, that's what they said. that they, they had me on a sort of fitness regime. Uh, I don't know whether I struggled with it. Um, but it took me a while getting into that, into that team. Mm-hmm. And plus, the lads who were in were doing well. You know, Martin, mm-hmm. Peter Butler, you know, little Robbo. And I think it was around about that time. I did end up coming back and getting a few games towards the end. But I'm still... I would still say 304, I, I should have had more. Yeah. I would have loved to have had more also. And a testimonial thing, mate, that, that year, being on the bench 23 times, only getting on the field three times. It wasn't about money for me. It was about football. And mm. if it wasn't Man City coming in, I probably wouldn't have left. Yeah, probably, I mean... Probably yeah. Yeah. You know, and I feel I could have fought my way back in. Mm. I, I wasn't ready to leave the, the Premier League, don't get me wrong. Mm. I wasn't ready to leave West Ham. You know, I'd, I'd played in the Chelsea game, I think. Before I left, we won 2-1, was it? Mm. I think I had a part in both the goals. And, you know, it might have been then, but we'd already decided that, you know, if another club came in, Ali would give me a free transfer. And it would save him having to pay in any arse year I would have given with a testimonial and all the functions, you know. So, it, it was... And then it was Joe Royal and Man City. And I didn't yeah. care what the prison they were in. It was going to be playing football, and I don't finish business. So, mm. it, it was... I mean, it was sad that I never got to say goodbye properly. That mm. was the biggest thing. Yeah, no, I understand that. But I mean, you know, still those three hundred and four games, as you said, you had two you had two two promotions, obviously the relegations will go, but two promotions. Uh and obviously ninety ninety nine one and obviously the, the two the twenty ninety two, ninety three season as well. I mean there was so many guys, obviously, you know, we've got you know, the semi-final, which everyone talks about all the time and still talks about as just the most mental fan experience of losing 4-0 but like it was yeah. like you'd won the cup you hoisted up on your shoulders absolutely mental never seen anything like it before and, and I haven't seen anything since you know no. and I've been in some fairly big games as well you know but there was nothing like that nothing no. at all Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, I remember very vividly the 92-93, obviously, you know, Cambridge United, Clive Allen scored that second. And then the place, I've, I mean, there hasn't, I haven't seen a pitch invasion at Upton Park since then, since then, really. I've got pictures on my phone of it, actually. Yeah. 
It's absolutely Love mental. And I remember vividly, like I was the West Lower and I remember vividly a rope ladder literally almost took my head out from the top tier and people were literally going down the rope. Like, I don't know. I think security was a lot laxer that, that day. <laughs> you, know, you couldn't get that into the London Stadium. And it was like rope ladders. It was absolutely amazing. But as you said, I mean, the thing that comes across and you said, that, you know, said about the fans and the passion of the fans, that's what comes across in this series and this sort of project. You know, football is almost the, it's like the secondary thing to to West Ham fans. It's all about the community and the family, and obviously, you know, it's and that's so true with the players as well. You know, you talk to the talk to the you know, guys like Mad Dog and Kev, and they talk so highly of everyone yeah. in that team, that era, and it seems to be a real, a real sort of nice bond. It was you had it was a special bond, mate. Yeah, it yeah, was a special bond, you know exactly. Don't, don't get me wrong. In nine years, players came and went. You know, yeah, but the earliest part of the nineties was. Uh, you know where we where we built that we built that bond, but it's a, maybe it had something to do with going down together, mm. you know, being in that fight together, being on the battlefield together, mm. and then having the the joy of the promotion and going through that together, you know, a couple of times. Yeah. But eventually we got it right, didn't we? And we stabilised things, and uh, exactly. And had a good run up there. Yeah, and obviously you had, yeah, you, as you said, alluded to, obviously, yeah, Makari brought you in, yeah, Bonzo, and you had Redknapp as, as, as yeah, three managers under yourself. And obviously very, all three very different managements. What, what's it like when, a, when a, I mean, you've had the experience, what's it like when a, a new manager takes over? I mean, from a, yeah, just a few perspectives, not the West Ham managers, but... I'm a good person to ask, aren't I? Because uh, when a new manager took over Man City... Yeah. And it lasted two weeks. <laughs> yeah, we can do West Ham. And it only lasted three months. <laughs> so Billy Bond, I think Billy Bond's coming in, I think obviously with, with his stature and, and his reputation and mm. everything, it was easy. Um I don't know how much he actually wanted the job. I think he was comfortable in his role with the Academy, but yeah. um you know, thrust into it and 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 in all honesty, I think was too honest to be a football manager. Mm. That's he, 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 you know, uh, the, the rumors that go around what happened yeah. with him leaving. You know, I, I love Bill that, that season we had in, in 91. And you know, for somebody like him to, to entrust me with the, the captain's arm, exactly somebody like Billy Bonds, <clears throat> who it was an example as a, as a gentleman, uh, as, a, as an athlete, to, to see him in the gym before training as the manager to see him in the gym after training and knowing that he would join in training and still be up there with the running, uh, probably top three fitness-wise. You know, you, you couldn't help but admire the man and, and just a lovely bloke. You know, for, for your manager to give you that, that, that faith and confidence. And then Monday mornings, he'd know we'd have a good weekend. He'd come in and go, how was your weekend? Uh, we'll run it off, put a bag on, run it off. You know? Yeah. So we knew we, we'd been out and had a few beers at the weekend and he was fine with it. You yeah. do your work, yeah. Enjoy yourself, you know. Yeah, and I think I think that sort of era, so to speak, was probably the last. I mean, it's the last era I think where there was real characters in the game. Do you know what I mean? So, like, you know, the stories of I don't know. Uh, I mean, Mar- Martin. Uh, we won't say who the player was. We'll, we'll call him um, um, uh, Alan Martin. We'll call him. We'll just make up a name. He mentioned. Um, how there was several players, including potentially yourself, who used to eat a lot of polos um, during training. <laughs> Extra strong mints. Extra strong. See, see, used to, um, 
make sure he'd pick me up. If he knew we'd had a heavy weekend, he'd make sure he'd pick me up. And he'd have the extra strong mints in the car for me. And he'd stick about, I'd stick about five in. And I'd drive to training like his dog with my head out the window, <laughs> trying, to get, trying to get the fresh air on my face. Because he knew how he'd be at me as soon as I got there, you know? Oh, dear. Funny. We, looked after we looked after each other. Yeah. That's, that's what comes across. There's, I think there's certain sort of groups of, of players. Obviously, the boys of 86, they, they looked after each other, you know, in your era. And then I think that's probably, you know, in the last era, because then you don't hear this, particularly now, I think the game is almost too professional, that there's no real characters in the game anymore. Do you know what I mean? Sort of like yourself, you know, our, uh, you know Martin Allen, Johnny Monker, you know, Trev Morley, you know, all these types of people don't get them anymore in now and it's and it's and it's a shame it really on. it goes on you know dixie yeah. gailey different characters frankie mack you, yeah. you talk we had a squad of them it wasn't just one or two in the no. dressing room like the dressing room alive it was a squad of them you know and i was actually a, an adopted boy of 86 yes because whenever they have parties they they do phone me up whenever they get together if they meet in london or whatever you know i'm home i mean i think one time uh you know, Wardy, Gailey, Georgie, TC. And I remember Dev was there. And, I mean, he changed a hell of a lot, you know, from when he yeah. played. I mean, Dev has, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could still, well, Dev's, like, changed a hell of a lot. And I obviously know him and I played with him when I signed. He was there. So, obviously, he stood up and shook my hand and went, Alan Devon's here. <laughs> <laughs> like, he knows how much he's changed, you know. But it was brilliant. I always, oh, it's always fun being with him, you know. I mean, a little bit of envy that. I wish I could have been a part of that, you know? Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. But I mean, everyone has their own, as you said, you know, you had that. I mean, I, I mean, 92, 93 was my sort of proper first season support. So I, I was a glory hunter, you know, I, we went for relic, yeah, we went for promotion. <laughs> Fuck all's happened since, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, although we won the Intertota Cup uh, in 99, everyone forgets that. But, you know, that, that's sort of, that's my era. And obviously, one of the reasons why you were my favourite, one of my favourite players, Bish, was um, famously, you did a prank on my brother at Davenant Foundation School with uh, Dave Benson Phillips. <laughs> and that was it. And from then on, I was like, oh, my God, that was it's just the most random thing that's ever happened in my, in my life, really. I don't know if I was first choice, though, to be fair. Uh, no, I think you were. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, you, also you're living in the area a little bit as well. But sure, most oh, yeah. of you are living in, around the area. But uh, no, I remember that it was such a bizarre day, such a bizarre day. And uh, yeah, Dave of it. So Kate, so Bishop pounced into my brother's art class, I think it was, and then he had to go and have a kick about with, with him on the uh, on the on the sort of the, the school grounds. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so funny, so funny. And my and I, my brother texted me the other day because I said I was I was seeing him being you, and he said, oh, I saw Bish on the last day at Upton Park, uh, at Liverpool at Liverpool Street Station. Um, and I was like, well, okay, well, <laughs> he probably saw hundreds, he probably saw thousands of people at Liverpool Street Station that day. Yeah. But uh, no, that's one of the reasons. It's you and Peter Butler. I have because uh, Peter Butler was the first ever player I met. Because you used to do, and you would never do it nowadays. But the Junior Hammers used to do birthday parties at the school at the, at the ground, and a player would turn up. That would, would never happen nowadays. Absolutely never no. happen nowadays. No, Potter's quality, mate. You know what? He's he's one of them. He's one of the players that didn't give himself enough credit. Mm. You know, he was actually a better player than. He says he was, you know what I mean? He thinks he was just a little Yorkshire Terrier, the ferret. that used to go and win things for us and give us the ball and let us do the, the magical stuff. But he was better than that. Yeah. And you know, I still I stay in touch with Butts. 
every now and again the odd phone call yeah. and i've asked him to come on my podcast i think he's going to come on mine a little bit later well i've got him i, I think i'm into him I'll, I've got him in a couple of days' time, so I'll uh, I'll say, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, when, when you get an ambitious podcast, because obviously you run the uh, five points in with Ian Bishop, don't you, as a podcast, which is yeah. really good fun, really good fun. Yeah, he's yeah. got some stories. He's yeah. had, he's had some life after the game, you know. Yeah, no, I get. Yeah, I mean, our, I mean, um, I mean, Martin, Martin Allen mentions how he turned up first day in his high tech boots. And uh, everyone was like, who the fuck is this guy? And then, like, literally 10 minutes later, 10 country, crunching tackles, they went, all right, yeah. he's in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so, so in terms of what we do for the, for the sort of the project, we sort of do our Hammers 11. Now, we're not going to do a specific Hammers 11 for, for Bish because Bish is too much of a nice bloke, basically, and doesn't want to offend all his teammates. You can see, he, you can see they still talk to each other. I don't want any, any blocked numbers or people being blocked on Twitter. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that today. So what we're going to do instead, Bish, is, is talk about the areas a little bit. You know, So we'll talk about the goalkeepers and defenders. You don't have to pick anyone, but just you know, go through some of the, obviously, the players you worked with. Because that's the story everyone wants to know is, is the players anything funny anyone you can stitch them up oh, look, I, think, I think Ludo and Dixie probably speak for themselves you know? yeah 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 of course they do I couldn't, I couldn't really offend anybody or upset anybody by choosing them to because they'd probably agree with me anyway but you know, <laughs> when you when you look at the the lads at the back you know having been there with Slav who was an, an international and you know Alvin and Gailey who, who for me when I got there they, they took care of me mm. You know what I mean? And took care of me as as a footballer, not not just the, the person. I mean, Alvin with me being a scouser obviously helped. Gailey with a sense of humour, you take two streets away because he's just a piss taker, you know. And and I love all that. And they probably didn't know I was like that unless they'd heard stuff. But you know, you've got to give as good as you get. And, and Gailey's non-stop. So, but but for me, more than anything, the both of them as footballers, um, as a midfield playmaker, you need to have the ball. Mm. And you need to earn their trust and respect for them to go and get it for you, you know. And and, and Alvin would tell me at times that <clears throat> I got myself in trouble by coming back deep to support them for me to get it out of trouble, you know, mm. to help them to get it out of trouble. And I would show for it back there and sometimes get caught, maybe. I don't know, you can see the odd goal, whatever. And he said, well, you're just getting asked, well, I don't know any, any other way to do it, you know. It's it's just in you, and then and then trusting them who both had great touch, you know, uh, good passes of the ball themselves. Gailey could could have slotted into midfield, uh, you know, and been that older midfield player, yeah. and then he probably wouldn't have got exposed with his pace as much. But you know, I wasn't the fastest, um, but they both read the game well. Yeah, you know, not a lot of pace back there when they both played, but nobody really got beyond them mm. because they read the game so well, you know. Um, and then we're willing to play and, co- and comfortable getting the ball, you know, relaxed. And, and, and don't get me wrong, Upton Park could be hostile and frightening. And, and I don't mean just for the away players, you know, because many players you talk to from other teams will talk about it and, and say, oh, I hate going there. It's, it's you know, it's, it's a cold, proper cauldron. Yeah. But it was like that for the, for the home players. You have, to, you have to have big stones, mate, to, to go out there and keep doing... Doing what you do, you know, keep looking for the ball, keep wanting the ball. That was one of the things. Look, I'd have bad days, I'd have bad games. I may, I may give the ball away, but I'll still go looking for it. Mm-hmm. And Alvin Gailey were like that in, in the line behind me. 
mm. you know, which, which I needed. I needed, you know. And, and a lot of the time, I'd just be sitting in front of them, you know, when, when yeah. things, and they'd be, they'd be organising, yeah, they'd be talking all the time, constantly. We didn't, it didn't matter who was captain, I think, back in those, those days. We were all leaders and talkers and organisers, you know. And really, two, two lads, you could have a riot on the field, and it'd be done and dusted. You know, you'd have your arguments about, about the game and then it'd be done and dusted, you know? I mean, I used to, um, I used to go to Alden all the time. We'd, uh, we'd play this game in the gym where the two semicircles at the end of the five-a-side pitch, you'd have to chip the ball into there without bouncing and you'd score points. And we'd play for a bit of money, like, you know, after training, instead of going to pub or going home, we'd go in there and have a little gamble. And then it got to, okay, now you've got to control it and hit it back without the ball stopping. And then once we'd done that, you'd control it, and you'd have to hit it back on a half volley. So, and, and Alvin had more ability than, than people think. Mm. You know, he could strike a ball really well, but I would beat him more often than not, and then I would wind him up. And then on a boys' day out, we would um, play pool. And I could play a little bit of pool, so I'd say to him, look, we play for a fiver. And then I'd beat him, he'd go, oh, you know, I'm ne- never going to beat you. I'd say, okay, if I put the black, and you've got one ball left, you win. And then I would beat McCann, this would go up if you've got two balls left, if you've got three balls left. And then, so I used to go with them. And then we, we went up to Stirling on one pre-season tour. And I'm not really that good at table tennis, but there was a table tennis table, not much else to do. So we were waiting in line. We played one game up to 11, winner stays on. And, and Alvin's quite good. But I've got on and then, and then I've come on with Alvin. And I'm just doing backhand defence, just getting it back. He's missing shots, he's going for, I'm just getting a pack, boring as hell. And I end up beating him, and he was fuming. So I'm winding him up again, trappy. Yeah, I'll beat you at the footy game, beat you at a pool, beat you now, beat you at table tennis. And he's going, no, no, I'm waiting. And he waited till about five more lads come on, and I stayed on, I'd won. And as I came round to him again, I'm not playing no more, <laughs> walked off. <laughs> He'd waited all that time, and he was absolutely fuming. Oh, and we were in a, yeah, we were in the pub in near where he lives in the ship, and I think it was this ship or the one across the road. They'd open the windows like, you know, they fold an open window, so it was open onto the street. And he was having a little game pool, having a couple of beers, and Albert's gone. Oh, I've got to take the kids to the to the pictures. It's like in the afternoon, maybe three, four o'clock. I've got to take the kids to the pictures. And uh, I mean, come on, can't you just phone your missus? All the boys are here. On your missus. He's going, no, I can't, I can't. Anyway, without me knowing, I'm standing there holding the pool cue, playing a game, I think it was with Hutch. Next thing, you know, he's, he's finished his beer. He's cracked me on the head, jumped out the window and legged it, right? I threw the pool cue down. Now I've legged it after him. Belly full of beer, though, you know? And I've got problems if I can't catch it, Alvin. Anyway, I thought, <laughs> I thought, sorry, I know where he lives. I'll just walk. I'll break into his house. So, anyway, I'm walking around the corner up to where the street is. Next thing, he's being marched back by two fellas. There was two plainclothes policemen sitting outside, seeing him jump out the window and leg it, went after him. <laughs> They've got his arms up his back, and I'm walking towards him, and he's looking at me, and he's gone, bish, bish, tell him, tell him who I am, tell him, tell him it's okay. I went, never seen you before in my life, mate. Carried on walking. <laughs> he was fuming. Used to love finding them up. Brilliant. Yeah, well, that's the Brilliant. thing. That's, that's the yeah. As you said, you like you know, and 
if he likes being you, he likes like winding you up, and you know, Gailey, who just winds everyone up and never switched off. And as a twosome, they were, I mean, they were unstoppable, you know, they, they really are when they were in their days. Absolutely yeah. unstoppable. And then you've got the difference of them two, like very, and then and Julian, who by all accounts is a very sort of quiet man, so to speak. Um, Tackles with the noise. Yeah, exactly. And his tackles were well. He crossed over the line. He was a different person by all accounts, but it seemed to complement each other quite well. Yeah, but you've, you've got to really get to know Julian. Yeah, he's he's the one of the kindest people you'll come across in your life. Uh, he's not. He's you know he, he doesn't go out looking for looking for problems. We always knew, and we did have a couple of run-ins, you know, in nightclubs and stuff. And he's always the first there. If you knew, if you knew you're out, you were out with him, like on a field. If you knew he was there, you, you felt confident and comfortable. You know what I mean? It was, you'd always have an ally. You'd have somebody. It would always, you know, he'd be first at it. So, well, I mean, I shared the room with Julian for maybe two and a half, three years. And he was great. You know, I'd take him half a bottle of Jack Daniels for a Friday night so he could sleep. And I'd get myself four cans of Guinness. And we'd have a little drink in the room. Like some people took sleeping pills or whatever. We just yeah. had a little. the way he played he wasn't a vocal mm. captain but he led by the way he by the way he played and he trained exactly the way he played mm. yeah kicking out of everyone <laughs> and obviously not bad golfer as well so oh no no i thought you know uh he'd have given him more of a go because uh he was i think he was scratching the end was he yeah something, something like, like that, yeah. that johnny monks is the same yeah johnny yeah well, that's you had some nice golf. When we, I think from Chadwick back to Loughton, whatever, you had a couple of nice golf courses anyway to go to. You got Dalen Boys and Hainault and stuff yeah. like that. So, well, yeah, I, lived, no. I lived on the I lived on the fourth green at Chigwell. Oh, did you? The fourth green was right outside my garden. Yeah, so half an hour before it went dark, I'd go out and play the fourth and the fifth, come back up the fourth. <laughs> Tell you, what. Do you remember? Do you remember the chairman at the time, Martin Kent, because uh, my garden was elevated, so you looked down onto the green. And it just sit, used to sit in the garden of a weekend or whatever. And then Martin Cairns came up with three of his, his obviously fellow members. Yeah. And I've gone, oh, chairman. I must have turned around and gone, oh, shit. <laughs> I've gone, do you want a drink? He went, oh, yes. I wouldn't mind a drink. I'm not a bit past. When he got a six pack out of the garage. Yeah. The, <laughs> there we go. Martin's juice or something. <laughs> Even a six pack. Oh, brilliant. Oh, so funny. So, obviously, you know, those, those are the sort of defenders, we'll say. We'll, we'll talk about midfield. Now, obviously, you had, you've already mentioned a few of them. You know, obviously, Mad Dog, you know, Monks, you had uh, can we, Pete, can we, Pete Bunner. Can we go to Timmy Breaker, can you? Yeah, of course we can. Yeah, 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 of course we can. Potsy, you know, whether yeah. he was right back, whether he was centre back. This is why it's so difficult. Yeah. This is why it's so difficult. And it's not just hurting people's feelings or, or their new friends, it's, it is really tough to do it. You yeah. know, it's, they, they had their different qualities and, and I couldn't say one was better than the other. Yeah. Do I go by how long I played with players or how good they actually were mm. when you played with them, you know? 
I mean, like I said to you earlier, it's like asking your mum and dad who your favourite child is. Yeah. And look, even to the extent of, you don't send me the players that haven't picked me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I, I figured it out. You appeared, you have appeared, you have appeared in uh, 15%, considering how many players have been around from the mid-60s to now, 15% of, of our Hammers 11s have featured you. But look, you know, the good thing is, it is nice to know that you've had an imp- impact. Of course. You know, from your, on your peers, you know. Mm. Um, it, it, was, it wasn't, I, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't great seasons every season. No. But I'd like to think that they knew even in the bad times that I was there, you know. Yeah. I wasn't just, I wasn't just like your, your flashy playmaker. I could actually do the work as well. And it probably doesn't look like that from the side. Or I never believed it did, you know. I, I used to hear whispers about I pass sideways too often. I don't get my foot in enough. You know, you, you go out and you're in amongst fans, you know. and you, mm. It's because I always did. I always went for a beer after the game. Mm. I always went in my local at least. Because I feel if you do it when you win, you've got to go and face the music when you don't. True. Because people want answers. And sometimes you can you can say something to make them realize that, okay, they are just human, you know, it's not just looking at somebody out on the field and, and never having a connection with them. And maybe what I was saying rang true to them. Or maybe it just said, oh, I had a shite today. You know, yeah. and, and, and they'd like, prefer your honesty. Yeah. But there was games, look, look, a lot of players lived and died by, by their scores in the paper. Mm. And I remember looking at sometimes, you know, wasn't it eight? I was a five, or you know what I mean, or I'm yeah. not a five. I played out my skin yesterday, so it's all about people's opinions. Um, I mean, getting back, to, getting back to Timmy, I always talk about Timmy and Dixie when mm. they talk about the modern fullback. Mm. They bombed on for fun, didn't they? Yeah. Dixie, 11, 12, 13 goals in one season. Yep, took goals for one season. But, but even if it's eight or nine, for a left back, mm. Timmy used to get crosses in with balls across. He was fit, you know, the likes of Potsy and Kenny Brown was, was unfortunate maybe that there was a Timmy Breaker. Yeah. And, and, and when they did come in and play, every bit was good. Yeah. You know, for different things. But that's when you, when you bring, when you come down to it, it's the choice of a manager and you can't play everybody. Um, but you know you can rely on people mm. if something goes wrong with somebody. And I think we had that at the back. Yeah. Throughout the years, um, you know, even not, not mentioning what a solid job Mark Reaper did for us. Yeah. What a job Fozzie did when he was playing, you know. And, and even now, I'm thinking I've left anyone out, you know. It, it's, I mean, Slav for me was at, at the back was, was great, you know. He, he had an aura about him, to, mm. to be honest with you. And, and was a football and, and did have confidence in you. Although he played with some of the best players in the world, you know. He, he, when you sat and talked football with him, he, he knew what he was what he was talking about, and yeah. you know he could he could tell you something that you probably didn't recognise about yourself, mm. and and it would would help, you know. Yeah. Um, going into, you know going into midfield when when you're looking at I know you've been doing like a, a natural four four two. Yeah. Um, it changes, Bish, who I talk to, you know. I, I mean, the older generation, I mean, I've had to learn what a left half was. And, you know, inside four, fuck those, fuck those. <laughs> yeah. Five up top. 
yeah. like the old Stanley Matthews on the right. But we learned, no, I mean, look, the thing about Keeney and Chopper, mm. obviously Dev was coming to the very, very end before he went to Watford. So I really didn't get to play with him that often, you know. Uh, but Chopper and, and Keeney, you just, as a midfield player, you didn't need to look. You'd have a sense and know where they were, where they wanted you to put it. Mm. So, especially when things got tight in there, that was your outlet. That was your outball, you know. And, and it also, because they did hug the touchlines, it, it opened things up in between because the fullbacks didn't know whether to go close. Because they were two of the type of players that if you give it to feet and they went at people, the fullbacks would be in trouble. And then what you'd find is they'd drop off, uh, they'd get tighter, and then the, the space was in behind. I think Chopper had a little bit more pace than Kev. Not that Kev was slow. So once you did put it in behind them, it was... Uh, and when you, look, you're feeding them centre-forwards that we had. There's going to be goals, you know. Yeah. It was always exciting. When yeah. Leeds or Jordan, you're it right. was always exciting. And I think that's the biggest thing about the West Ham fans. If you played the brand of football that they knew we could mm. and, and we, we had a good work ethic, then they would accept a loss. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I'm not happy. I don't mean that's the, that accepting of losing, but you accept it as long as you gave it all and you played it the right way. They'll mm. still say today, you, yeah. you played it the right way. You know, we, we always try to play attractive football. Mm. You know, Billy yeah. encouraged yeah. that. Harry encouraged that. You know, and, and look, when you when you think of the mid, the midfield players, uh, Johnny, Pete, Peter Butler, you know, I mean, look, even little Robber when he came in wide, little yeah. tricky little fella that made things happen, just a slight man, you know, but but never shaked away from anything. Ran at defenders, you know, bigger defenders who mm. kicked lumps out of him, but um, you know. Being in there with Martin was a little bit different than being in there with Monks because Martin had a more of an eye for goal. And, and in a natural 4-4-2, I felt the responsible one because he would bomb on and someone had to sit. Sure. And I felt a lot of the time, plus also when it was with Martin, he knew I liked to come deep and pick things up and start things off. So it gave him the chance to creep forward a little bit, you know, and maybe get a little run on somebody. Yeah. Because he, 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 was a, he was a goal scorer as well. He could finish, yeah. you know, two good feet, you know, get stuck in. Johnny was, Johnny was different for me. I mean, I loved playing with Monks. Um, I respected his game so much. He was sort of, you know, if we, if we did go for a pint after training, because we, we lived close as well, it would be yeah. like the Mutual Admiration Society. <laughs> oh, you're the best player I've ever played with. No, you're the best player I've ever played with. Oh, you do this and do that, and you're too. Full. I said, "Well, you are and all that." And well, he was nuts. He's absolute nuts, absolute nuts. I mean, I can say that amongst the gang of nutcases, <laughs> was nuts. Martin was eccentric and nuts. You imagine what our Christmas parties are like. That's, that's what I mean. It's like all. I mean, that's the thing. It's like he was unbearable. It was the second best day after staying up fighting the relegation battle. Yeah. If we'd won that game, that would only beat the Christmas party, you know. <laughs> you look forward to it. I mean, and look, I mean, times change. We, back then, you know, we all liked the pint. And the fact was, we loved each other off the field. Yeah. There was no bickering and, and little gangs and cliques and mm. whispers about people, you know. Um, and, then, and then even when Mike Marsh came, can you imagine me, Monks, Marshy in there? Who's going to get the ball? 
You know, I mean, that was always the same with me and Monks. Why do you need a ball winner if you don't give the ball to them in the first place? Yeah. So it was a case of the positive outlook was let's play first. Yeah. You know, and Monks could get his foot in as well. He wasn't, he wasn't shy of getting a book and was he? No, uh, no. <laughs> a lot of that as well. Yeah. And I always remember, particularly towards, towards the, the latter end of, of Monks's, Monks's career at Upton, but, you know, he was a sub quite a bit. And that was almost like a new, a new sort of sense of material, you know, jockeying the linesman. I think once he pulled the linesman's shorts down, if I remember. And so it's almost like this new lease of life. I mean, you knew who's just going to come on and get a book in. You know, people, the fans have said, you know, we, when he used to come on, we used to count in seconds. You know, how long is it going to take? Yeah, he was going to get picked. Yeah. Well, you look, you're looking at it was the linesman's shorts that came off because yeah. most of them have his on very often. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Right. We couldn't do it now because obviously there's you know, female linesmen and, and lineswomen, rather, and lines people. And yeah, it'd be a hell of a. You can just imagine what would happen now. It's just yeah. it's that whole sort of that whole era. But um, I mean, yeah, it must have been absolute. I mean, if you was a quiet lad. Going into that change rooms. Has anyone said the story about him painting the line with his head? I've heard about it, but not from the yeah. not from the, from your perspective. Yeah, they, were, they, were, they were training. They, we were training. They were they were doing the lines on the pitch, and the, the fellow was there with the paint bucket. And that he goes and he dips his head in the bucket, and then proceeds to run along like this wobbly line, painting on all fours with with nothing on, painting this wobbly line with his head. He's got paint in his head. It's just, <laughs> And then he trained like that. Oh God, he trained like it. Yeah, the the manager just, just looked at him and, and went, Oh, it's monks. Yeah. You know. It's monks. They knew what he was like. That's that's what that's that's what Martin was saying. He's like people like Kevin Keane and stuff, they'd watch you lot just being not silly boys, but but being silly. And they yeah. would just he would just look in and go like tut and then just like giggled to himself as he and Potsy as well, just like laughing Potsy, to himself. Potsy and Timmy, Potsy and Timmy Breaker. Yeah. They were the silent they were the silent assassins. <laughs> you know, I mean Kev didn't really come out that often. He didn't drink. Yeah. Timmy and Potsy like the pint, but didn't want to be seen as they were us, you know what I mean? But yeah. whenever you turned around, whenever it was great, when you turned around, they were standing there with this big grin on the face. Massive grin on the face. Like they loved watching everybody else do it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's well, like... It's what's, like the... Go on. What's his testimonial do? Yeah. Secrets, right? Me and him had decided that <clears throat> we were going to have a couple in the afternoon. Like, we had to be in secrets for about 10 o'clock to meet up with everybody. So me and Potsy have uh, gone for a couple in the afternoon. I've only got him drinking a bottle of K-Cider and a bottle of Diamond White which one is 9.2%, it is 9.3% in the pint glass. And obviously, because it's sweet, that's what we were drinking. We must have had about 12 of them, maybe, on top of the pints that we had. Anyway, his, his missus was pregnant at the time, so Eve turned up at Secrets, absolutely scalloped, for the do itself. I've walked him in, we've gone up to the first bar where his, his missus was standing, and he's puked up all over the bar. This is testimonial, dude. Anyway, missus is fuming at me. Absolutely fuming at me. I, I mean, I'm drunk, so it's bouncing off me. So yeah. um, she gets the bouncers to carry him out. So he gets carried out. She brings the car on the front. The bouncers put him in the passenger seat, put his seatbelt on. She, she comes around to get in the driver's seat. By the time she's in the driver's seat, 
I've got them back out again, carrying them back into the night. <laughs> it sounds like a, like something from the Hangover movie or something like that. Doesn't it? It's like walks him in, no straight back weekend. out again. That was every weekend. Honestly. Oh, that's mental, absolutely mental. So. Obviously, we, we've 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 sort of done the midfield a bit. We've done the strike. We've done the defenders. Done the keeper. Yeah. Strikers. Now. Okay. So so this is where my dilemma is. Look. Yeah. I got Trevor Morley, Frank McAvenny, Yeah. Tony Cotty, Clive Allen, Marco Bugers. <laughs> Martin tells a story about Marco Bugers, and yeah. he ruined with him for it, like you know, and how weird he yeah. was. But. But this is what I'm saying. Like, how do you choose two? Of them for yeah. anyway, and that's without big Johnny Artson and Kit. You know, it's yeah, no, totally. I mean, it's it's, it's a gen, it's a generational thing, isn't it? So it's like for the fans, for the fans, it's different because obviously there's there's players, but yeah, from, as you said, from a player's perspective, I totally get it. And as you said, they're all different. They could all fit into the team for different reasons, couldn't they? Look, I've been I've been with Clive at Man City. Yeah, obviously, very bad. Is there's forty nine goals at Tottenham. Finishing wise, I'd say TC and, and Clive mm. uh, as finishers, natural finishers, you know. Mm. Frank and Trev could, could conjure something up and, and did other things, you know. Frank would get in the channels for you and, and, and Trev would hold things up and, and throw his body into things that you'd, you'd, you'd wince at, you know, like Sammy Julian, you know. Yeah. I mean, we used to call him Nudger because he had this dead man's carcass, you know, that was immovable. And it looked like one as well, to be honest with you. Weird shaped man, but um, <laughs> obviously a great friend of mine, you know? And, yeah. and, and similar with TC and Frank in different ways, you know? You know, Frank was me, was me party animal friend when, when we went to the West End. And, you know, me and Trevor would head down the East End sometimes, go to the Isle of Dogs or to see me and mate Mark Newson who played for Fulham and we were teammates at Bournemouth. Yeah. a big West End fan. <clears throat> Problem was his brother was Millwall. So we go in some areas and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be friendly. And it wouldn't be until about six pints that I'd start chirping back at them. <laughs> but, but, you know, for, for a different reason. I mean, one time with Frank, I mean, it was, it was, I, I actually seen his debut for Scotland. I was in Glasgow with a mate, staying at my mate's house. And we went to see, I think it was Scotland, Australia. And I don't know if I ever told him that, but he's dinked a little ball over the keeper like he scored on his debut, I think. Yeah. If I, if I remember rightly, Australia, I think it was. But we, I think it was his last game, Forrest at home, wasn't it? And he scored a hat trick. He came on all yeah. time, scored a hat trick, right? And somebody's gone down injured, and me and Frank are standing there, our arms around each other, talking. And then after the game, my brother and my next door neighbour came to me and went, I should have heard what one of the fans said about you. I said, well, What do you mean? He said, Well, I can't remember who was injured. He said, But I think it was Mark Crossley, the goalie or something. Uh, he said, when you and Frank, Frank were talking, they said, oh, look at Bishop and McAvenny. They're probably talking about where they're going to go after the game. And that's exactly what we were talking <laughs> about. Oh, brilliant. Well, it's sad to see him go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the same as yourself, Bish. You know, you don't, you know, I think you, you don't get a, feel like you've had a proper opportunity to say goodbye to the fans, particularly, you know, nine years you were there. Um, it's the same with Macca, and it's the same with a lot of players, unfortunately, isn't it? Like, in the modern day, James Collins never really got to say goodbye to the fans, so to speak. We sort of knew he was leaving, but he didn't really know. And I think 
it's 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 sad, but obviously, you know, things like this, and you know, you do loads of loads of these types of things. You know, there's certain players who who are still still around in sort of in in fans' minds and hearts. You know, so like, and also in person, if you go to the games, I think you'll find yeah. that many of us come back. You know, mm. I mean, it's a long way for me to come, but but I do come back, and when I do, I got so many pictures. You know, Georgie Paris and Ludo and Gailey yeah. and you see, and even Wardy. You know, me and Wardy and Trev going in, going in opposite directions. I, I knew Wardy from my time at Everton, actually. Yeah. Not knew him, knew him. I was just a kid, so I didn't really befriend him in that sense. And then, you know, he had his time at Oldham and what have you. And um, coming opposite ways, didn't really... But well, we knew the same people in Liverpool sort of thing. And mm. then Wardy now, if, any, if anybody, Wardy is the one that lets me know when they're all getting together for the 86 stuff. You know, I mean, the other lads will let me know. TC always sort of, but Wardy will probably be the first. And I didn't play with him, you know. I didn't get a chance to play with him at City. He didn't get a chance to play with him at West Ham because of the transfer, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a great, great kid. I mean, them, them boys are characters also, you know. Yeah. They must have had a ball. Not in the way that we did, the next generation sort of thing, crossover, but I'm sure they had a good time as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they did. But it just seems, you know, I think, again, as you said, it's a, it is a generational thing. You know, I am i wasn't around, I didn't really, I wasn't part of the fans in 86. You know, you, Martin Allen, Monks, yeah. you know, then further, that, that was my era. So it's like, you know, I, I hide, you know, obviously as a club, they, you know, 86 was, was, hasn't been replicated since. But for me, it's 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 about you. It, it, it's it's I'm you're my ear, if that makes sense. And that's and that's what comes across. Obviously, people who are younger, you know, some people, you know, might might not have heard of you and Bishop, you know, if they of certain younger age. Um, uh, there are people out there, Bish. I know. I know. I'm just surprised that group wasn't on the front of the papers more <laughs> often. You know, and that's good the cover thing. Up. Yeah, good cover ups. Yeah, <laughs> you cover up. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, and that's what's great. And you know, and I, I really appreciate. I don't want to take you up much, much longer, because I know you're. You know, as I said, it looks quite nice. It looks not too bad weather out there at the moment. Looking, know, yeah. yeah. It's that time of season, though. You're getting you're getting a little bit of thunder and lightning and pouring down rain for about half an hour, and then the sun comes back out, and within 20 minutes, you wouldn't even know it rained. You know. Really, it's like that. Yeah. That's you know, Bish. Look, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you so so much for your time. I, I appreciate it particularly, obviously, you know, over there. And um, obviously, thank you to everyone for watching. Um, obviously, share, like, subscribe. You know what to do. And uh, and for me and Bish, take care, buddy. Stay safe, and see you all soon. See ya. Right. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.